This is a bit of a difficult gospel um, in a couple of ways um, to faithfully get across I, what I think Jesus is, is trying to say and also just to elucidate it because it sounds, you know, contradictory to the rest of what Jesus is doing or saying. Now, first he begins with, I have come to set a, the earth on fire. And every, anytime we hear fire, we should immediately, in the gospel anyway, we should immediately think of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then when he speaks about his baptism, um, he's already been baptized by John, baptism of repentance. But whenever he's speaking about baptism in this fashion, he's speaking about his death on the cross. Remember, um, James and John, um, you know, asked, well, their mother, but they asked to be seated, one at his right and the other at his left, and he immediately asked them, Jesus says, asks, are you able to be baptized with the baptism which, with which I will be baptized? And they perhaps foolishly said they were. His baptism is his death on the cross, and he desires for that to take place as soon as possible because he desires to extend his love in the most powerful and potent way to all of humanity, which is what he did on the cross. He desired so much to save us, to redeem us, to forgive our sins, to bring to completion the Father's plan, that it burned within him to share that love. And that burning within him of that love is something he desired to, to go out from him. And of course, go out from he and the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, so that all of the hearts of those who believe will be burning and set ablaze. This is what he's getting at. Those who accept that love, those who have faith in him, and live in that love also will experience a necessary consequence of division. Because for as many as those who accept, there are those who do not. And even within those who accept, there is a, um, well, not everybody's in the same place, right? Everybody's sort of in process, as it were. So there's going to be division as a necessary consequence of saying yes to Jesus Christ. We say no to all of those things which contradict. Now, I think we know how in a family there can be division. I'm sure when you, you know, you heard, well, well, of course, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, but, uh, but also just within families, um, I think we've all experienced this or will experience this, which is, you know, if you have children or if you were a child, which presumably most of you were, <laughs> all of you were, right? There's that whole process of uh, going through adolescence into, into uh, one's teenage years and, and even into young adulthood where there's that dynamic of individuation, right? The, the individual needs to become an individual and separate their identity from their family. It's a healthy thing to happen. But what often happens is quite a bit of rebellion. And particularly if parents are, are you know, sort of faithful Catholics or faithful Christians, oftentimes 
desiring to gain one's own identity, teenagers and young adults will, will reject God or reject faith or you know, going to mass, et cetera, for, for a good period of time. Some of you have lived through that. And, um, and you look back on it and you think, well, I was young and I was, and some of you are going through it now, right? Some of you are, are brought here against your will, et cetera. It's just what happens in a family. It's not the only way it happens, but it's one of the ways that this is made manifest. We also see it, uh, we see it in other ways amongst you know, family members or even friends, right? The stronger that we are in our faith, the more that there can be a conflict with those who are not, which isn't to say that we want the conflict, and it's not to say that we don't love those people. Obviously, we love our friends, we love our family members, love our parents, we love our kids. Even though there's division that's going on, that the Lord isn't saying love ceases, but he's, he is saying, as a consequence of those who love me, there will be division. We're, we're not always going to be on the same page with stuff. So I'd like to elucidate this using an example. And I normally don't like to uh, anymore, you know, have too many controversial topics kind of right up against each other. But, um, you know, because I think sometimes we need a break from that. But it's kind of hard to avoid it with this gospel. So I'm just going to go ahead and forge through it. Um, I've certainly experienced um, this sort of divisiveness personally. Um, actually, as an anecdote, it has not been an infrequent experience for me to be out there, you know, without my priest clothes on, checking out, getting groceries, I don't know, and uh, they find out I'm Catholic and a priest, and then it starts, the litany well, you know, well, I grew up Catholic. Well, I'm not Catholic anymore. I mean, I am Catholic, but I, I don't practice, but I should practice. Maybe I should go to confession. Should I go to confession? Well, I don't know. I haven't done anything that bad, but, you know, maybe I should. And I'm like, you know, can you just take my credit card? I just, <laughs> we can talk about this later, but, you know, that has happened to me so many times. I've given you other stories about how that's happened. It's happened so many times. And, you know, right away there's a sense of, because I'm a, a priest, you know, if they only knew me, they wouldn't feel uncomfortable, but, you know, they don't know me. And so there's that sort of division immediately, right? Oh, you must be really with the Lord or with God, and I'm not. So right away there's a sense of separation, perhaps. So as I forge into this, um, what I do want you to know is I do not expect everybody to agree with me. Um, and I certainly think one of the things that's really, really important for our society is to relearn how to listen to each other and sometimes disagree, but still love each other and don't allow the disagreements to break relationship. The relationship is really, really important, but it's also really important that, you know, we respect each other too. Now, as a priest, so I'm gonna talk about abortion again. As I, I, I was thinking about all kinds of different controversial things that I could throw in there, and I thought, well, no, let's do this one again because it's kind of a hot button topic right now and, and everything else. 
Um, this is a position the church could never change, to be against abortion always, principally because of the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. It's really hard to get away from that. It's really hard to say, well, there's maybe, you know, you just, you just can't. God is pretty clear about this. And, and personally, um, this is an issue that I've suffered quite a bit in my priesthood for and would gladly continue to do so because I am absolutely convicted about the issue. Now, some people will say, well, well Father, don't you, think, don't you think that a woman should be able to do whatever she wants with her own body? No. No one should be able to do whatever they want with their own body. In civil law, that's not true, and far less in spirituality and in morality. And the reason is because we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. We didn't create ourselves. God created us. We do not find our own fulfillment in ourselves. We can try, but it never works because we ultimately die. Our fulfillment lies in God alone. We answer to God. It, it's true if you're an atheist or a humanist that, well, yeah, you might as well do whatever you want because there's no eternity. But for those of us who believe, for those of us who are Christian, there is eternity and there is a God who has claim over us. And this is not a, a limiting thing. This is part of the lie that the world tells us that, that the only way to find uh, fulfillment and total freedom is to be absolutely autonomous. But even that is a lie. Nobody is absolutely autonomous. And the Christian understands that full freedom can never be secured by one's own efforts, but true freedom can only be found in Jesus Christ. And it can't be found here. It can only be found in eternity. And so for the Christian, there's an eternal dimension to every decision we make. There needs to be an eternal dimension or an eternal uh, uh, rumination about what are the effects of this act. And furthermore, one's own body, it is scientifically true that that unborn baby is not the woman's body. It's not her body. And no one has the right to have autonomy over another person. No one has the right to be able to choose life or death over another person, over another human being. It's not the mother's right. It's not the father's right. It's no one's right. God has created that child. And so there's a limit then, you know, our decisions get us into a certain predicament, but there's a limit to what we're able to do because of it, if we believe. If God has dominion, then that very much impacts that decision. Now, I'm not saying that uh, there aren't complications and difficult situations. I'm not saying that at all. But it's pretty clear and black and white for God that he creates, that he brings life into being, and that he brings people into eternity. Furthermore, I think, I think women have been lied to. I, there's no doubt that um, men have uh, treated women over the course of the centuries horribly 
And there needed to be uh, a true authentic feminism that needed to change this. But it's, I believe, a lie to tell women that you need to be freed from your biology to secure your liberation. It may be true that it is absolutely true that every woman should, woman should be treated with the utmost dignity and respect. But it's also true that everyone should be, including the unborn. Now, there's a lot of people here. I know you don't all agree with this. I want you to know that I love you no matter what you think. I love you no matter where you're at on this position. A lot of us don't know where we stand. A lot of people do know and they don't want to hear it. Um, I don't consider this particularly a political issue. It is a political issue, but I'm a priest. I consider it a moral and spiritual issue first. Whether it's legal or illegal, to me, is somewhat irrelevant. I mean, it matters, but from my perspective, I'm concerned about your soul. I'm concerned about your soul. That's my job. And so I, I have to talk about these things from time to time. But I want you to know that no matter where you're at, I love you and I want you here. And if you've had an abortion, if, if you've made that decision, I love you the same. If you're a man and you've cooperated, I love you the same. And by the way, so does God. It doesn't change the love. But it is important for us to recognize that I think in our culture, something is really broken with our ability to talk to each other, to, to be you know, in the same room and just in a healthy way, talk about disagreement and, and work things out together. Instead, we just polarize each other and demonize each other, which is dehumanizing. As Christians, it can't be that way. We have to be united in Jesus Christ. So for the Lord, his point here is, if you love me, if the fire of my love burns through your heart, the yes to me means no to those things which are contrary. And the yes to Jesus Christ and to what he has in store for us in eternity, that yes means a no to the culture that would oppose it or those elements. And brothers and sisters, we need to be firm. We need to be courageous. It doesn't mean beating people over the head. You might have a friend who's, who's pro-abortion and you're out at Starbucks, you know, which itself is pro-abortion, but anyway, you're out at Starbucks and you're having coffee and, you know, it comes up and you just say, hey, you know what? You know I'm pro-life. It's how it is. We can talk about it or we can drink coffee and talk about football and just move on. But we can stay in relationship. But that does not mean that we come off the mark of what we believe. The world needs us to be courageous. The world needs us to, to proclaim God's truth with love and charity. And I encourage you, especially at this time, to not be afraid. To not be afraid or ashamed of your faith. We stand on truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ. Please stand.